Countdown for blast off. X minus five, four, three, two, X minus one, fire. Another episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Edwards, and with me, of course, the rooms that are painted to look like home to my city zoo. Mr. Robert Lundgren, how you doing? I'm doing good. Hello. Hello. Yeah, that was a tongue twister, man. You almost had me on that. Mm, nice, nice. Yeah, that's uh City Skylines has a commercial for the City Zoo, and that's the stinger at the end. Come see come see uh the animals that are living in rooms pa- painted to look like home. Or something like that. And I don't know. The City Skylines commercials kind of have some bite to them, so that's that's why I went there. It seemed relevant to the deep dive, so whatever. It is. It is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, as always, let's get this episode started with a big old thank you to our patrons over at Patreon. You guys are helping us keep the lights on and the servers humming and all of our content coming, so thank you very much. And Jonathan, happy National Sticky Bun Day. I like sticky buns. I do, too. February 21st recognizes a delicious pastry that comes rolled up and dripping with a sweet, sugary topping. They're perfect with a hot cup of coffee in the morning or as an after-dinner sweet. Known as Schnecken, meaning snail, the sticky bun is rolled into a sweet spiral resembling its German name. It's still considered to be a Pennsylvania high-ray specialty. Many believe the sticky bun's origin in the United States began in the 19th century. German settlers brought their baking traditions with them when they began settling in and around Philly. Uh, No, he lives in Pennsylvania. Does he? Oh, whatever. Hi, Ray. Regardless. Philadelphia is in Pennsylvania. Aha! (laughs) See, I'm dumb and smart at the same time. What just happened? I don't know. I couldn't remember where, what city w- was in one state, but I was right the first time. Do you do that? Do you like think something? It's like, oh, yeah, the city's totally here or this thing is totally. And then you're like, no, it's not. And you go with the opposite. And it's like, damn it. I knew that the first time I was right. Trust in my own smartness. Generally, yes. Not specifically with geography. Yeah. Well, I just had a moment like that. But anyway, don't be like me. Instead, go on the social media and use that hashtag. National Sticky Monday. Talk all about your sticky buns. Also, incidentally, and oddly enough, and maybe Alanis Morissette irony, it also is National No Grain Day. So, wow, yeah, okay, don't have any grains, but go have those sticky buns. Try, try to sort uh, that one out. Love me some grains, though. Mm-hmm. Love me some grains. Bread. Had some rice at uh, rice at lunch today, mm. and then I had a hamburger bun with my hamburger at dinner. So it was a good day. Yeah, yeah. I just had a taco. Oh, I could go for a taco. Yeah, corn tortilla. Not deep fried, just a soft corn tortilla. Mm. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. You're 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 selling it. You're selling it. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go ahead and hit our off the shelf segment. That is, of course, our segment where we talk about all the wonderful things that we've had off of our shelves, onto our tables or our electronic devices, and most importantly, into our hearts. Robert, where do you want to start today? My my list is anemic, so this should not take long. Uh, I've got three things. So so dealer's choice, sir. Dealer's choice. All right. Well, you've been watching movies and TV. Um, I'll go ahead and cover mine. Are you ready? Yeah, go. All right. I'm done. Good stuff. Ah, good talk, Jonathan. I, I yeah, li- good I talk. Li- good talk. I like these conversations we have. You know, it's insightful. It means, uh, means a lot to me to know your thoughts. We're, we're working with what we've been done. <laughs> Which this week was a whole lot of no time. I mean, to, to be fair, I am watching one thing. Um, every lunch break, I watch old F1 races. I'm currently at the tail end of the 2012 season. Uh, by the way, 2012, if you want to get into F1, banger of a season. 
Seven different winners in the first seven races. Twists and turns all over the place. We're, we're one race away from the end of the season, and there's still no, no clear champion. Yeah, it's good stuff. There you go. I watched me some TV. <laughs> well, speaking... It's what I do at lunch. I, I, you know, I, I sit there eating, eating my lunch, and I have my earbuds in, and I watch an old F1 race. I don't judge. I, I don't want to think. I don't, I don't judge. I don't judge. Nerds got their thing, man. Every nerd's got their thing. You know? Respect. We're all nerds here. All right, well, I've been continuing on with Babylon 5. I just got to the end of the first disc of season four so i probably have that wrapped up by next time but yeah yeah it's uh still a good show still a good show i got to uh my absolute favorite 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 moment that ever happened in that tv show and i remember it so so fondly so like i think early in season two mr morden runs into veer and he asks veer what do you want he's like what do i want I uh, I want to live just long enough so I can uh, see your head on a pike as warning for 10 generations that some favors come with too high a price. I want to look into your cold, lifeless eyes and I want to wave at you just like this. And then in season four, he does it and it's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> now that is telegraphing. It. Yeah, yeah. But it was it was it was kind of a testament to, to how that show was, especially in the 90s that, you know, something that got brought up in season two, like occurred in season four. It was great. It was so good. Um, but yeah, that, that was, I just watched that episode and it was glorious. But yeah, yeah, still a good show. Still much better than the sum of its parts. Like it's, there's no one thing that's truly that great about that show, but you add it all together and it, it works really, really well. It has like a multiplicative effect instead of an additive. We started watching Steven Universe uh, when we can because it's been bugging out lately. Uh, but that's what the daughter wants to watch right now. She got done with Harry Potter and now we're on the Steven Universe. Speaking of which, we finished the Harry Potter movies. Again, had them already before we knew about the author. Sigh. Oh, God. I've been, you know what? I, I've been I've been struggling with that lately. I'm going to tell you, Robert. Um, I, I really would like to try that new video game that just came out. Yeah, me too. I really like the developer. And it's not fair that somebody who will remain nameless went and made it so that that developer has to suffer because they were working on that project probably before she even made her comments. Uh, I, and, think, uh, yeah, I think so. Cause it, it's been like six years in the making. It's been delayed a ton. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's frustrating. It's not fair to them. They all worked really hard on that. I would love to try that game, but I am struggling and have yet to commit because I don't, I don't, want to support her even though i know it's such a minuscule amount that will go i don't want anything to well go. you know honestly i mean it's kind of like the good place you know jonathan like it's there's there's no ethical consumption under capitalism <laughs> you know there's that just can't exist we're all going to the bad place jonathan we're all going there uh so it's just you know whatever you feel like taking a stand on if you don't want to play that game because of that you know what good for you like, fine, you know, just like me, I, uh, because of the whole Watsy thing, I don't want to play D&D for at least for a while. I'm kind of, I'm kind of mad at the company. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you on that. But one. you know what? If you want to play fifth edition or sixth edition when it comes out, you know, all the more power to you. you, you whatever, you know, I, whatever, whatever, whatever makes you happy. Life's too short. It just, it, it sucks because that, that, that property means so much to so many people that grew up with it. I, uh, yeah. I, I know within my family, you know, like I've got at least two kids that are super into Harry Potter yeah, and it means a lot to them. And it just, I mean, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I know I hear you. It's that eternal question of separating the artist from the art. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it was like, uh, it was like, you know, we were watching Moonrake or uh, Moonwalker. Did I talk, did I talk about Moonwalker last time? 
or that we're no i yes you did yeah i think i said we were gonna watch it i think we oh yeah or have i not brought that up yet no i think you had watched it okay well whatever we i i watched it and you know it's kind of nice you know and this is this is awful but michael jackson's dead and he's problematic as hell, but you know what? He's not continuing to be problematic. And there's people who will say like, well, what's the difference between playing Call of Cthulhu? And it's like, well, you know what? The, the difference is H.P. Lovecraft isn't alive right now hurting people, you know, with their views. And yeah, and and all that stuff is public domain. And so, you know, nobody's going to benefit from his racism. That's true, too. That's true, too. And all the stuff that we are playing uh, is not steeped in racism and evil. Yeah, and in some cases, uh, uh, people, you know, black authors have come and taken it over, oh. which would make him spin in his grave, which is funny. So, you know. Um, well, spin, spin, spin away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll spin you right round, baby, right round. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'm not going to hate on people. If, if you feel like taking a stand on something, just do it and just own it. And, and if, you, if you don't care, because, I mean, you're right. It, you know, I, she's going to get a paycheck. Like, oh, well. Like, you'll contribute a couple of cents to it. Does it matter? No. I was just gonna say I tend not to I I tend not to buy used video games because I want to make sure that the the people that created that game the people that put the blood sweat and tears in get their get their uh, pay you know the the exception of course being really really old stuff classic stuff that is no longer you know right right you can't you can't even download it you can't buy it legitimately so that 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 creator can get paid but like this is one of those few things where. If I went into GameStop and I saw a used copy of that game, I would have zero guilt because then I would get to make sure that she did not get it, but I would get to enjoy the game. And then I would just need to, you know, support that uh, that developer's other projects, which I have because I have a lot of their other projects and will continue to buy their projects because they tend to make really fun games. Yeah, yeah, there's that. And I mean, I mean, hell, I just did the same thing with the Harry Potter movies. I watched them again recently just because I'd already purchased them, so... Long, long ago. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm, I'm not going to go and throw away the books because that that harm has already been done, and that was before any of the comments were made. So, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, there, there, there's no such thing as ethical consumption and capitalism. We, we all use something every day that is problematic. I mean, I, I stopped using Twitter for the same reason because Elon Musk. I, yeah, no, I, I I'm, I'm done. Yeah, I'm done. I'm re- right with you there. Oddly enough, by the way, last night watching the Super Bowl and sure enough, there he is. And he's sitting right next to uh, Rupert Murdoch. And I was like, oh, that tracks. Yeah, no, he's a narcissist. And, and the the blues aren't being kind to him anymore. So he's hanging out with the Reds. Just anybody who will say nice things. But anyway, like but, you know, Reddit's I'm sure problematic if you go digging into it. I mean, hell, I, I found out our our forgot my dice page ended up on a Twitter block list because at some point I followed somebody on the Twitter that was problematic and I didn't know at the time or, you know, cause I don't hook into that part of Twitter, but if like there's, there's things that can block you, it's like block that guy and anybody who likes them. And, and we got swept up in that cause there's a couple of developers that uh, have me blocked now have us blocked. It's the forgot my dice page for Christ's sake. And it's like, I don't know. You know, it's like when I find somebody, when I find out that somebody's problematic and I find out we followed them, I unfollow them. But I, you know, it's like, well, they say you should check everybody. It's like, how you know like not everybody spouts their nuttiness 24 7 like you know you go back a couple days you don't see anything and you know and come on it's twitter you don't even do that somebody says something funny or it's a game to it's like oh i know that game and you just follow them you don't care you know so anyway my point is you know whatever if you have feelings on it do it if somebody doesn't don't yell at them it doesn't you know it is what it is no no absolutely not they 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 they're making their choice and i mean 
you got to respect the choice. It might not be the same one that you make, but that's the beauty of it being your choice. Yeah. I'm not going to begrudge anybody for enjoying something that has been a part of their life for 20 plus years and, and experiencing that, that that's, you know, if they can do that and they're comfortable with that, that's fine. Especially if they're being an ally in other respects, in other aspects of their life, you know? And I'm with you. I'm, I'm pretty sure the library has that game. I could borrow it if I wanted. And I, I, there's just so much stuff coming out right now. I'm just kind of like, yeah, we'll see where I land when I, when I have a dull stretch for a while. But like, you know, I mean, seriously, like one of the most evil corporations on the planet is freaking Nestle and there's no way to get away from them. So like, what are you going to do? Oh, Lord, no, no. God, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. Yeah. And yeah, they are pretty vile. They're a special brand of vile. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I got my, I got my soapboxes. I will encourage people to join me on them, but you know, if you don't want to, that's not, not really my business. (laughs) I can tell you why, but you don't have to follow me. It's fine. Anyway, what were we talking about? We got s- I don't know. I, I was just thinking about the same thing. Before we got sidetracked? Uh, you were talking about TV because you have Harry Potter right, right there. Right, right. Anyway. And it's so funny that you've got these next two on there because I was actually going to be watching them with Lincoln soon since we've been playing Tomb Raider together. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, so yeah, we watched the, the Lara Croft Tomb Raider movies from so the, the early aughts. I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you right now. I remember... The first one is being a very early 2000s movie uh, for all the good and bad that that statement carries. Right. But being watchable and the second one just being a hot, unwatchable mess. Okay, so we haven't exactly finished the second one yet. So I, I, I'll i have to talk about that next time. I just put it on there because we are we're like in the first act, essentially. We started watching it yesterday. Uh, but I, yeah, we did finish the first one. Dude, the first one is wild. It is wild oh my god okay so first off first off i remember it being absolutely bananas no 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 no. you don't even know why it's wild and i'm about to tell you and you're going to be so glad you're going to want to run out and watch it immediately with your boy the second i bring this up okay so laura croft tomb raider 2001 directed by a cat named simon west okay the cast so he was a con air right uh i do not know i'm pretty sure the name sounds familiar well, now you got me looking at this. Conair, you are Simon correct. Conair, the West. Conair, the general's daughter. So he was at the, he was at the the height of his career there. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Let's go over this cast. Let's go over this cast. Okay, first off, we got Angelina Jolie, humorously enough, doing a very bad British accent, which is really fun. And the coin flip of that, we've got a really, really eerily young Daniel Craig doing an American accent in that movie, a bad American accent. And it's like, come on, just, just, just let him flip. I mean, come on, come on. And, 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 and yeah, it's so weird. He, first off, he is so young in that movie. Like, it's so weird. Look at him. It's like, oh my God, he's so thin. And like his skin is just radiant. And, oh, and, and it is American accent is just atrocious. Cause it's like, it's, it's just all over the place. And it's so funny when he talks, it is hilarious when he talks, Jonathan, you're gonna love it. You're gonna love it. So, Following that, uh, we also got the John Voights, which, you know, playing Mr. Croft, uh, Laura's father, which, you know, real dad, whatever. But then we also got uh, Ian Glenn. Ian Glenn? Yeah. Um, Who you're going to see him and you're going to be like, who's that guy? And that was my exact thing. I was like watching it and I was just racking my brain. He's the butler, right? 
in in Lark- no 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 in Lara Croft Tomb Raider he's he's the bad guy he's he's the main villain. Okay okay so this is where oh yeah 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 from uh, Game of Game, Thrones Game of Thrones he's, uh, yeah. Yeah yeah, yeah 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 he played uh and one of my favorite completely under the radar shows that if you get a chance to watch it i highly recommend it um oh, damn it what the hell is it called it's it's a uh, jack taylor jack taylor oh yeah there it is yeah yeah uh, i cannot stress enough that jack taylor is some amazing damn tv right right right. and in game of thrones he played uh jorah mormont yeah there you go uh but i i saw him uh a little bit more recently uh he played bruce wayne and the Titans TV yeah, show, and Titans, right? Yeah, which is, yeah. is a t- I remember thinking that was really good casting, actually. <laughs> um, yeah, for an old Bruce Wayne, he's not bad. Also, that movie I was talking about, the Peter Pan movie, The Lost Girls, he played Captain Hook in that. Um, but he's 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 also so young in this movie. It's so weird. Like I was just like I was like, where do I know this guy? Where do I know this? Guy? And it was driving me nuts, and I had to finally go look it up because it was taking me out of the film. Like I couldn't think of anything but like trying to figure out where I'd see this guy from. It's like, oh, I've seen him much older with a much more receding hairline. That explains a lot. <laughs> but he was also in some of the Resident Evil movies. Like I remember him being relatively young back then. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen those recently. I, I I've seen the first one, but yeah. Oh, that's a hot mess. Oh, I know, I know. I saw the first one. Yeah. Oh, but they 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 have not aged gracefully. Well, now, now I want to know more. But anyway, oh my God, Ian Glenn was be- in Gorillas in the Mist. <laughs> nice. I saw that in the theaters, which I saw in theaters. Yeah, me because too. I'm that old. Yeah. <laughs> I went with my parents. Uh, I think I did too. Nice. I think I did too. My parents wanted to see that movie, so I had to go see that movie. It was great. Scorpion Weaver still, uh, still knocking it out of the park. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so this is this is a complete non sequitur, but okay, one of my most vivid saw a movie as a child memories was I got to this point with my parents where they would go see the movies and then I would go see the movies and we would just wait for you know because we'd go see showings that were oh that you'd go to a different theater right yeah yeah but we'd see yeah. well the same theater but the different theater in the multiplex or whatever yeah, a, a different auditorium yeah yeah is what I meant yeah 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 I saw some movie with uh, Bill Murray and an elephant. Cause that was the only thing on that I remotely wanted to see when my parents wanted to see whatever the hell it was that they wanted to see a Bill Murray elephant movie. Thank you. Larger than life. That's what it was called. Larger than life and larger than life struck me as like kind of a kid's movie. I, I just saw it cause ghostbusters and I, I, I love the Bill Murray. But before that they had that, um, they had a preview for that movie where, uh, um, um, uh, shoot. Uh, what's that dude's name? He was in like Goodfellas. This name starts with a J. I swear to God, this is driving me nuts now. Joe Pesci? No, not Joe Pesci. Um, uh, uh, the 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 he was in that prison movie, that dystopian prison movie where he gets the rocket launcher. Uh, no, re- I think no return. Ray Liotta. Ray Liotta. Thank you. Not a J R. Thank you. Ray Liotta. Mm-hmm. That. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing his one of his final projects real soon at the end of the month. Going to see Cocaine Bear. <laughs> okay, so Ray Liotta was in this movie where he's like a crazy guy in a plane and the stewardess had to like fight him off or something. And they showed that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That uh, Turbulence. Yeah. Right? With uh, uh, what's her name from Dumb and Dumber? Lauren. Right. Not Lauren Wright, but. Oh, uh, what's her last name? Uh, this is great radio. This is great fracking radio right here. We're, we're on the top of our game. Um, Lauren Holly. Oh, Turbulence. Lauren Holly, there you go. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Oh God, I remember that movie being such garbage. It had terrible special effects, and the plain guy inside of me died a little bit on the inside uh, because there was it was just so 
unbelievably unbelievable. Okay, but I'm in this movie theater with freaking children to watch a Bill Murray plays with an elephant freaking movie, right? And they show a preview for that, and it was loud, and it was really violent, and I'm like, what the hell is this preview doing on this movie? And I remember, I remember this day, I was sitting behind a, a dad, this poor dad, and his little girl, and I, the little girl, and she had to have been like six or seven, leans over and whispers to her dad, Daddy, I don't ever want to see this movie again in the theaters because it has this preview. And I'm like, oh, and that, that is my complete non sequitur. Sorry about that. I just had to get that out. I had to share that. I had to throw that back out in the ether. This was in uh, Irvine. Was it called Turbulence? It was called Turbulence. Yeah, Turbulence. Yeah. yeah. Turbulence. It, there it is. Oh, man. What a mess of a movie that was. Anyway, Tomb Raider, Lara Croft Tomb Raider is probably much better. Uh, it makes me laugh every time they call her an archaeologist, though. It's like, she's one of the best archaeologists in the field. Did you know she has a gym in her house where she fires live rounds into robots? Like all archaeologists do. <laughs> it's a thing. I call that a Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's hilarious, though. But both movies do that. They call her an archaeologist. It's like archaeology apparently is finding lost tombs and stuff and stealing their crap. Like, it's D&D rules, I guess. Look, potato, potato. <laughs> it's a loose It's a loose term. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, you're making me really want to rewatch that. I'm going to be rewatching that as soon as I can get Lincoln to finish his game with me, which I think is going to be this weekend because we're like 78% of the way through it. Man, it's it's it, yeah, it's it's kind of trash, but it's fun. It's fun trash. It, it's worth it for American accent to Daniel Craig at the very least. That was <laughs> so bad. So, yeah, that's that's what I've been watching, buddy. That's what I've been watching. There you go. There you go. That's a lot to unpack. <laughs> so many memories just dredged up all this stuff just like shall we move on to a uh, video game yeah let's see what other trauma i can unleash from that all right so you really kind of messed with me you made me play this vampire survivor game and now i can't <laughs> i told you it was good yeah i was i was editing um i think it was two episodes ago maybe I, no i was listening to that episode and i brought it up again i'm like oh crap i need to like talk to you about that because we went an episode where I, I talked to you about it and then we did an episode and now we're here now we're here. Jonathan, Jonathan, tell me about that game. What do you like about that game? I started, by the way, it's free on iOS and Android. Apparently uh, it's got ads, but it's not like most freemium games where you see an ad every like 12 seconds. Uh, if you're good enough, you'll see two ads about 15 minutes apart or less or more, but about, yeah, two ads every 30 minutes. How about that? So um, I'll, I'll give you my, I'll give you my experiential review. Are you ready? Ready. Go. Okay. Start playing. Oh, okay. I get it. It's like a little twin stick shooter. Okay. Why isn't this, this stick working? Oh, it's, it's, it's auto fire. Uh, okay. All right. Well, let's give it a shot. Robert says it's good. Five minutes later. Okay. I mean, like it's a thing, right? Like I'm just ducking and weaving. Oh, look, I've got some power ups now. Now I'm starting to do a little bit more damage and wow, that's, there's a lot of guys on the screen. There's a lot of enemies. This is getting harder. Okay. Three hours later, I can't stop. I can't stop. I've got enough gold that I can upgrade my guy. I'm going to have freaking super garlic. <laughs> have you gotten this three hours later? Oh, my God. I finished my first ever playthrough without dying. Uh, I'm taking a screenshot and sending it to Robert <laughs> and immediately starting my next game, even though it's 1.30 in the morning. <laughs> yes. Yes. And now here I am Good. many days later. I, I, since I began, there's not been a day where I haven't gone with at least two playthroughs. I'm slowly unlocking all the characters and the power ups. I went ham ass god mode uh, the other day. I had super powered garlic, 
superpowered pigeon, uh, superpowered uh, King James Bible. I've never gotten superpowered pigeon actually before. How is that? Superpowered pigeon is stupid. It does so much damage. And then when you combine that with the garlic, you've got an outer ring of damage and an inner, inner ring of damage. It's, it's just like a wall of death. Well, that's... yeah. I killed 21,000 uh, vampires in my last run. There are no vampires in that game. None. Or tw- 21,000... Monsters. Monsters. Yes. I'll go with monsters. Yeah, there are zero vampires in that game. <laughs> that you've found yet? Have you gone through all no. of the levels? Because there's so many No, levels. literally, that, that's a thing. There are zero vampires oh, in that okay. game. Oh, that, okay. That, that is from the developer, hand to God, there are no vampires in that game, ever. Well, all I know is that they've, they've got a clever little gameplay loop there, and it shouldn't work, but damn it, it really does. Yeah. I mean, basically, look, my, my, my review is, if you've got a game system, I don't care. It's, like, going to be less than $5. Just buy it. Don't even think twice. Just buy it and play it. You're, you're going to get your money's worth, and it's so much fun. I think it's 3 bucks. My friend bought it for me because uh, <laughs> it was 3 bucks. Maybe it was on sale that week. It was, like, $3.50 on Steam when I sent it to, like, three people on my friends list and said, you need to buy this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, basically, it, it's kind of stealing art from Castlevania, I guess. And you play a character and basically whichever character you pick, they start with a power, like one of the powers in the game. So the first guy you get starts with the, the very, he's very Simon Belmont inspired and he has a whip <laughs> and, uh, at, you can get, is it like six? I want to say it's six or, or as I like to call it the single most useless weapon in the game. Have, have you gotten the super duper whip, the, the, the blood letter or whatever? No, no, I have not oh. gotten anything called the blood letter. Oh. So you know about the super duper weapons where you combine the, the, the passive power-ups with the, the awesome power-ups and you can get a... No, I have not found them. Oh, yet. you haven't done that yet? Okay. Oh, no. Okay. I, I've only been, I've, I've only just now started beating the, the first level on like every playthrough. So now I'm, I'm getting ready to jump into the second level. Uh, the, the library is way better to play because it's much easier to farm gold on that one. Much, much easier. Oh, that's good to know. Good to know. Good to know. Uh. But yeah, you, you, there's passive powers, which, you know, like there's one called the crown, which gives you more experience and there's, you know, stuff like that. Uh, the whip uh, combines with this thing called the, where is it? The hollow heart, which just raises your health pool by 20 points, although it does not heal you. You have to heal yourself above that. Um, but if you have the whip and the hollow heart, it makes the bloody tear, which is a super duper weapon, which... Um, it, it's just way better. Uh, the blade, it steals health for one thing, which is really nice. So everything you hit with it, you heal yourself. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, if you get garlic and the Pumalora, Pumar, uh, you get this thing called the, the garlic is, is like ridiculous. Once you get it beefed up, uh, the Pumalora, it's the thing that, uh, it's a, it's a solid heart and it makes you regenerate health. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. I can't remember what it's Yeah, called. if you have that and garlic, uh, when you open a chest, it can upgrade into the Soul Taker, which um, is a much wider sphere, and it's kind of black, and it also heals you as you do damage, which is real nice. Yeah, yeah. So there's, there's, there's a whole bunch of stuff like that. Uh, if you have the Lightning Ring and the Duplicator, it makes the Thunder Loop, which is way, way better. <laughs> uh, King's Bible and Spellbinder. Oh, the Duplicator is, is, is ridiculous, by the way. Yeah, yeah. If you get the King's Bible and the Spellbinder, it makes Unholy Vespers, which is just better. It's better all around. Um, the two things I love the most, um, personally, are the knife. If you get the knife and then the leather glove, the brazier, the brazier, bra- the, 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 that thing, uh, it makes the Thousand Edge, where it's just like you have like a freaking machine gun of daggers, wherever your point is like, 
just just daggers for days. It's amazing. And then uh, you get the magic wand and the empty tome. You get the holy wand, and the holy wand is just a machine gun wand. It's great. So the the wand is basically like an auto turret. It'll just fire at whatever is closest to you, and and the holy wand just doesn't stop. It's just constant, constant barrage. And then the knife is it fires wherever you're pointing. And as you level it up, it'll fire more frequently, and sometimes it'll go through enemies instead of just stopping at one. Um, but yeah, yeah, the thousand edge just goes through everything and, and like, it's rad when you're walking through like the big field of death that's coming at you. Like if you have it, you just see like these lines of damage shoot out from you because it's the daggers just going through everything. It's amazing. It's amazing. I say, I sent you the article. You need to look, you need to look at it again. Um, it's just a super fun game is really what it boils down to. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds really stupid, but it's got a really, really fun gameplay loop. All right, Jonathan, look at that article I sent you. It's uh, You've got to scroll down a little bit, but it'll show you the super the, the things that evolve into the super weapons. It, I mean, like, this game has no business being this good, but it really is. Yeah, it really is. It's fun. It's fun as hell. All right, I'm going to, I'm going to, yeah, we're going to have to try this out. Yeah, I, I when I'm playing it, I just keep this up so I can, uh, my best one is I've gotten five super duper weapons before. It was great. I had the, the Hellfire Wand, the Holy Wand, uh, the Heaven Sword, uh, the super duper whip and something else. It was, oh, and the garlic. I had the soul eater. Soul eater is so good. <laughs> it's free on iOS. If you have an Android, just get it for your phone or your iPad or whatever, your tablet. All right. Anything else you've been playing, sir? Uh, Callisto Protocol uh, continues to be a lot of fun. It is very much, I would call it dead spacey. But it is distinctly not Dead Space. It's got its very own flavor. Um, and there's some really... It's, I'm having a good time with it. It's a fun adventure. It's a good one-player game. I think I mentioned on the last episode that I had started to play Final Fantasy XV in preparation for sixteen later this year since I'd never bothered to beat it. I am in the endgame right now. <sighs> Man, this game is... It's, I'm like so torn between two extremes here. It does some stuff really, really well. It's very nonsensical, you know, like there's very clearly something lost in translation that I'm not getting. Uh, And that's fine. I'm still having a lot of fun with it. But they keep putting you in these indoor environments. And it's very obvious that the camera does not like indoor environments. And so it's frustrating because you're in the middle of a fight and you just keep getting lost. So you just keep hitting the attack button. Just makes me long for the turn based. I want turn based. I hear that. I downloaded the Wipeout collection on PlayStation, and I have been reliving the glory days of wipe, the Wipeout series. Uh, that game is so much fun, and Amelia's really into it, so she sits there and watches me. She really likes those cars. Uh, and then finally, um, you know, I'm sitting here with my super-powered, this current generation um, Xbox Series X, and I'm sitting there playing GoldenEye. Nice. An N64 game. Nice. And yeah, let me tell you, playing GoldenEye with modern controls, uh, it's a nice, nice thing. It's nice to be able to move correctly. Uh, but let me tell you, the the lack of aim down sight and stuff, man, we've come a long way. GoldenEye was great in its day, but it has not aged gracefully. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I don't think shooters, modern shooters could exist without it. It, you know, but no, no, GoldenEye, GoldenEye broke a lot of molds. It, it pushed the genre forward, but it's one of those those key stepping points that you cannot be where we are today without it. But at the same time, we jumped over it for a reason, and there just is no going back. One of my boys, Miles, is like my my new video game buddy. We've been playing Super Mario Brothers Wii U Deluxe together, and that game is oh, that's good. Stuff. That game is Nintendo hard. Like it's no joke. Oh yeah. 
So we just beat it yesterday, which was really fun. Uh, so now we get to move on to the Luigi Brothers uh, probably tomorrow, which will be interesting. Or we could do a bunch of the levels because we skipped one entire world because it branches a couple times and there was an entire world we didn't do. And I'm like, oh, maybe we should go do that. I don't know. We'll see what I f- we feel like. Uh, same time, we've been playing Minecraft Dungeons or like, you know, my first Diablo. I guess that's the best way to put it. Uh, it's good for what it is. Uh, and I like it cause my, my, my son was really getting into it. So it's like, yeah, you know, he's going to like games like this when he gets older. So maybe we could do some couch co-op Diablo at some point, which will be fun. Um, when he's older, cause yeah, no, he doesn't need to watch Diablo now at six. <laughs> <laughs> no, not, not yet. yet. And then Jonathan, then PlayStation gave out, uh, one of the expansions to destiny Two uh, for their games this month. And, and you went right back. To I, I started playing it cause I'm like, you know, I'm like, Oh, I'll give it a go. It's been a while since I played destiny and I'm kind of in a holding pattern while I'm waiting for other games. Cause I, I got really mad at Stellaris and I'm like, I just, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I need to stop playing it. And so it just came along right at the right time. And, uh, Oh man, I forgot, <sighs> you know, you know, when you go back to something and you don't get to have that first time again, and it's kind of upsetting, you know, like you, you, you want to, you, you know, nostalgia is a hell of a drug, right? You want to, you want to relive that first time. Yep. So I, I got to relive my first time because sort of, so I started playing destiny Two, uh, beyond light and same thing, you know, I started playing it and, uh, I, I, I sank back into the combat really quick. Cause I forgot how the destiny Two's combat is so sweet. It's just so Oh, yeah. the, the, the combat and the gunplay were never the issue. Right, right. So, but then, okay. but then, never. but then, okay, so currently, uh, Beyond Light is not the most recent expansion. It's the previous one. The Witch Queen is the current expansion. And there were two expansions before that that I didn't play. So there's uh, Forsaken and Shadowkeep and then Beyond Light and then uh, the Witch Queen. And the game's gone like f- free to play now. So there's pieces of all of those that you can play, but then you get to a certain point and they tell you that you have to buy that expansion to play it, which is really freaking irritating because several things from some of those expansions have sunsetted. So you're just like, like if you buy Forsaken, you're getting, you're more or less buying the ability to access the inventory from Forsaken and occasionally the dungeon when they pop up. But that's that's kind of irritating. But I got to relive my my first Destiny experience, which is it was really weird and disjointed, and I didn't get what was going on at all. You know, like the the expansion starts. That that was the the thing that kicked me out of that game the most is the fact that you are just <laughs> never given context it, about the greater world. It it it. There's obviously a lot of world and storytelling happening there that they just forgot to talk about. Right. Right. Well, in this case, you know, like I, it's basically like watching the, you know, like jumping into the Fast and Furious four or something, you know, like I'm just like, what the hell is going on? I have no idea anymore. I'm two sequels out of date. Um, (laughs) Why are you all so furious? I just don't understand. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, man. It was so it's so weird. Like, yeah, the the storyline is like like they're like. like I go to I go to uh, um, Europa because that's where the action takes place in Beyond Light, and they're like, uh, "Oh, the darkness actually isn't that bad." I'm like, "Last time I checked, the darkness was really bad. What's going on?" And it's like, "Go learn the darkness." This guy told you to. I'm like, "Who's the guy?" And, <laughs> and I'm like, "I don't know what's uh, yeah. going on," but you know what? I kind of don't care. I just go and shoot things, and that's a lot of fun. I I I just go and shoot things, and I'm kind of piecing together the story, but I, I'm getting. 
you know, like I get these quests that pop up and say, go here and do the thing. And I try to go there and do the thing. It's like, download this expansion or you can't do the thing. It's like, well, they get this goddamn quest out of my log. I'm not going to buy the thing. Damn it. Um, and then like, and that game doesn't like ever hold your hand ever, ever, you know, like you're like, what, what is this? And like, I, I try to look for tool tips or whatever, like, you know, not be a complete jerk and like it's it's just kooky yeah it's just a weird kooky game yeah yeah it has not has not gotten any better and in the meantime you know honestly it's funny that you say that because final fantasy suffers from a lot of that like there's a lot of it's obvious that there was world building going on that they forgot to tell us about because there's a lot of times where i'm just like these guys are talking about it's like i should know this was there a book (laughs) study guide yeah i what yeah yeah Regardless, uh, the gunplay is really fun, like real, real fun. The PVP is also real, real fun. Uh, I, uh, I had my best round of PVP ever today and it's kind of upsetting because I, I think, or my best round of PVP, at least in that game, I think I killed 12 people in like 90 seconds, like just an absurd amount of people. And part of that was my team and part of it was me solo, but I was just running around like this wave of death, getting the final shots on tons of people. And yeah, it's weird how that happens in multiplayer games. Sometimes yeah. it, you, you have that, that blackout moment. <laughs> I blacked out. What happened? Yeah. Did I do it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah, I, I killed 12 people in the first 90 seconds and then I finished the round having killed 19 people. If that tells you how good of a player I typically am. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. Oh, but it was so sweet, Jonathan. It was so sweet that the game, like, you know, just don't, don't, don't play that for the story. And honestly, the story for that is just an excuse plot anyway. You know, it's like, go do the thing and kill things like that, that, you know, it's like a bad action movie. It's like a bad 80s action movie. It's like, yeah, you- I know. But they, they, they obviously spent so much time building that world. Freaking tell me about it. I'm interested. I want to know. You got to go, go fight Mendoza. He's got the stuff. Go kill him. Yeah. <laughs> Bong in a blintz. Smoking a pancake. Yeah, you know? yeah. Oh, it's so good. The funny part was, so I, I was looking like, has anybody made a role-playing game out of this yet? And of course somebody did. Somebody made a, a fifth edition like variant of it. And I was reading it and I'm like, I don't know if I ever want to do this because it sounds like really, really weird. But like it's it's been widely recorded that they they drastically changed the original story of Destiny like right at the last minute, which is why it was so weird in the first place. Because like they really, really changed the story like with like less than a year to go. Um, and the guy who wrote the original story, like left the company and everything because, you know, yeah. yeah. And so I was reading articles cause I got this idea and I'm like, I think I could do it. I, I, I've, I've picked up enough kernels of what the original story of destiny was supposed to be. I'm like, if I ever run a destiny RPG, like screw all their continuity, I'm just going to try to run the original story, <laughs> like, like rebuild it and then run it and and see how it goes <laughs> cuz that would be the story cuz then you don't have to you don't have to know all the weird canon or or whatever you just you just go from there you just sort of start the game and i'm like yeah yeah that's what i'm going to do so that's my bright idea should i ever be a fool and do that but yeah i'll 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 still give a thumbs up to destiny that game's fun that game's fun i just can't get back into it i i desperately need people to play with if i'm going to keep playing <sighs> we'll see we'll see they're, they're released. Don't do this to me. I've already got you got me into the vampire survivors. I'll tell you what. I'll 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 if if when I'm at we need to play more freaking Ghostbusters. That's true too. That's true too. I'd rather play that than Destiny, frankly. Oh, but the combat's so much better in Destiny. It's so fun. It is, but it's so not Ghostbusters. It's true. We'll see. They're releasing a patch for or they're releasing a a 
PlayStation 5 version of City Skylines on Wednesday. And uh, I'm very excited. <laughs> we'll see you next month. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what they're going to add into it? Because if you play on console, you can only buy nine squares of land. But you know what they're going to add into the PS5 version? You can buy 25 squares of land. You can buy a 5x5 five five grid instead of a 3x3. Three three. Is that uh, akin to the PC? Uh, there's been a mod for, since pretty much day one on the PC to do that. Yes. There you go. Yeah, yeah. But that's that's going to open things up so much because, like, by the time I, I, I'm done with that game, like, those nine squares are so packed with garbage, you know? It's just, like, empty land, empty land, <laughs> city. <laughs> so, won't have that problem anymore. All right. All right. Well, to round me out, uh, what's left? Uh, reading, I think. I'll round out my reading first because I actually have something, but it's not much. Uh, they released the first playtest packet for Project Black Flag which is uh, Kobold Press uh, giving the finger to Wizards of the Coast and, and their plans for role-playing domination. Uh, it is essentially what D&D 3.5 is to Pathfinder. Project Black Flag is going to be that to 5th edition. Like, that is straight up what it's going to be. It is... I mean, that is their playbook. Yeah, yeah. This is it, not the same company, obviously, but yeah, that's that's what it's going to be. And I'm okay with that. You know, like, 5th edition's not a bad system. And somebody doing, like, a... Three point or a five point seven five version of fifth edition, you know, whatever. Okay, I'll take it. Because, like, I mean, I'm never going to say no to another role playing game. You know? Yeah, yeah. So the first playtest packet's out. It's really funny because, like, the first playtest packet for it was all about how to build like a character and all the, uh, you know, the 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 uh, I forget what they call them. They don't call them races. They split up in like backgrounds and something else. But. Um, Anyway, they, they, they go that route. And it was funny because I'm like, I was just doing this with D&D 6th edition not all that long ago before they, they pooped the bed. And now here I am, like, doing almost the exact same content on something else. And it's funny. They obviously have a name for the game that they're thinking about that's not Project Black Flag. But they, they, they don't want to reveal it to the public yet. So every time they talk about the game, it's like uh, they, they, they have, like, these little brackets. Like, it's redacted. And they say core fantasy system. So it's like, you know, it's like. So the whole goal of core fantasy system is to play a character and blah, blah, blah. And you could be a wizard in the core fantasy system. You know, it's like, oh, <laughs> it's so funny. It's like redacted all over the place. I love it. It amuses me. But anyway, yeah, we'll see how that shapes up. Okay, Jonathan, go. I know you've read more than me. Uh, not really. I just finished the uh, Dresden book that I was reading, the um, uh, Blood Rites. Mm. And that's it. That's, that's all I've had time for. Not been a good reading two weeks. Good talk. Uh, all right. Well, I think that brings us to the end of our off-the-shelf segment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, which that means it's break time. And when we return, it'll be time for our Wisdom of Crowd segment. So we will see you in a moment. Do you have a tabletop, board game, miniature game, or RPG that you're going to release for retail? Or do you have an upcoming tabletop Kickstarter that you're about to launch? We would love to interview you for a future episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast. Send us an email to fmdpodcast2016 at gmail.com to schedule an interview. And welcome back from the break. It is now time for our Wisdom of Crowd segment. That is, of course, our bi-weekly tabletop news segment. And uh, not a ton of news right now, Robert. Not a ton, but a few things. A few things. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right. Why don't you get us started with more of the Watsy drama? All right. Well, (sighs) (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, man, this, this this is the this is the show that just got renewed for a second season. It feels. I like. know it's it's awesome. I I thought this story was over, but it it came back for more. So like, <laughs> so like, uh, oh, oh, it's that Home Alone quote. Uh, I, uh, do you guys give up or are you thirsty for more? Yeah, there oh. you go. <laughs> uh, so, you know, Watsy pooped in the bed and then Hasbro apparently said, here, Watsy, hold my beer. <laughs> and they went they went for a good pooping in the bed or not. I, I don't know what they did. But Bank of America has downgraded Hasbro stock, uh, has changed it to a sell to get rid of it because uh, a lot of reasons. But one of the things the report said They deep-dived Magic the Gathering operations, and according to reports, Bank of America found that Hasbro had been overprinting cards, which is, quote, destroying the long-term value of the business, end quote. So specifically, they're they're centering around Magic the Gathering now? Yeah, yeah. They're focusing on Magic the Gathering in this case, but pointing out that the recent 30th anniversary cards that were priced for four booster packs for $999, Bank of America said that price might be, quote, excessively high (laughs) you you think (laughs) you know i'm just gonna point out when bank of america is saying something you might be overpriced yeah yeah we haven't talked about what's been going on with magic but magic has been i am so glad i'm out of this business jonathan like i i've been looking at the skews for magic the gathering and it's insane and this is all coming off the heels basically Hasbro's stock and stuff has been in the toilet. And so Hasbro's magic fix for everything is they promised their investors that they are going to double revenue in the next five years. And so they're, they're telling everybody to just make more money and wizards of the coast response to that has been to print all the magic cards ever. And I might be wrong here. I, I, I I don't know if this off the top of my head, but for the latest set, which is like uh, it's a Frexia set. I forget what the actual name of the, of the block is or the set, but there are, you can buy a booster box or you can buy a drafting box or you can buy a collector's box. And what's the difference between all three? Well, one of them is a box like you could always buy. The drafting box is designed around drafting. So it has some different cards. It has some different rares and it has some slightly different stuff. And so if you want to collect everything, you also have to get everything in the draft box because there's a couple of things in there that are different. And then the collector's box also has a couple of things in there that are different. But those packs are more expensive with less cards because it comes with more rares and uncommons and no commons. And that's just on the packs front. There's also starter sets and just all of this nonsense. And not and and uh, I was watching. I, I found so during the whole Watsy uh, fiasco with with Dungeons and Dragons, I, I found a, a magic guy who I've kind of fallen in love with. Even though he's just he's like the dutiest dude bro ever. Uh, I forget his. Uh, uh, the magic historian. I think that's what his, his name is. And, and, and he's weird. He's Canadian, but he almost sounds like he has this Brooklyn accent. Like I can't put heads or tails of it. You know, like he's talking like he's from book Brooklyn, but then he says a boot and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, what's going on here? Um, but yeah, yeah, he was, he was talking about the D and D thing from, uh, uh, from his side of life. And, and he was pointing out that, yeah, like they're, they released according to him and I haven't verified this either. Uh, so do you know what a secret layer is? Do you know what the concept is? You mean like where supervillains hide? No, no, no. The the secret layers that Watsy. Remember the forty k Magic the Gathering cards? You, you did a new story about that. Yes, that that was a secret layer or the Doctor Who cards. Oh, they, oh gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That, that's the format. And and basically what it is is they reprint cards and then they put new art on them with like alternate titles. So it it functions like you know I I. I so the blob the blobity boo. So say you've got a card that's the blobity boo, and then you've got Doctor Who. You know 
Time Lord, and then it, uh, beneath it, it just says the Blobbity Blue. That just means that, you know, you can't have four Doctor Whos and four Blobbity Boos. Doctor Who, in this case, counts as a Blobbity Boo. You get what I mean? It's just mm-hmm. a, yeah. So they printed, and these are premium sets. They're not cheap. Uh, they printed 72 of those last year. There was more than one a week that you could get. Wow. Yeah. And, and yeah, and just the idea is they're flooding, that Watsi is flooding the market with rectangles of cardboard and it's long. And, and I, I mean, th- this guy has said that he feels like he's drowning and I've talked to, I mean the, my local gaming store is trying to get away from magic a little bit because of all this stuff. Like they're, they're trying to branch out because yeah, they're feeling like they're drowning in it and th- there's no way to keep up. And it's, it's weird. It's weird that, yeah, I, that, anyway, but yeah, no, they, uh, they think there's the, their price went down. Their stock price went down by 5.2% the day that this dropped. I haven't looked at it lately. Let's look at it lately. Oh, it's bounced back slightly. Uh, but yeah, so Hasbro's highest high was $121 a share and it is currently trading at closing today was 5871. So, yeah, <laughs> I don't know if it's working. We'll see. We'll see. But yeah, that's it. You can read all about it. Uh, see, uh, every all the all the major news agencies covered it. I, I found a story on CNBC and Bell of Lost Souls and all over the place. So, yeah, if you want to know more, uh, go ahead and read there. But yeah, Hasbro Hasbro. Uh, yeah. Bank of America said scolded them, say do better, which is hilarious. Yeah, it says something when a bank is coming out and talking about, you know, your printing habits. Jonathan. Well, um, should we move on? Yeah, that's why I said Jonathan. Let's oh, see, when okay, I, when I, when I, when I, so I, I know you can't see it, but I do my best like Stephen Colbert face when he would, would he'd pitch the show back to, to, you know, to, uh, to Jonathan, you know, I, I get the, the eyebrow cock and everything. I try to like channel the John and when I go yeah. to Jonathan, <laughs> how's that working on this completely visual free medium? Well, I've been doing it for a long time. I've been trying to channel it, Jonathan. It's always about the channeling it. it I, I don't care if nobody can see it. I, I just when I say when I say you know when I when I say your name in a way that's passing the buck to you. That's that's what I'm trying to do, Jonathan. All right. Well, let's talk about Descent, <laughs> uh, Legends of the Dark. So back in December, there was a little teaser from Fantasy Flight uh, about what Chapter Two and what they've already announced as a trilogy of, of Descent board games. Well, now we have a little more information about Act 2. It's going to be called The Betrayer's War, and it is, in fact, an expansion. It's not a a standalone. Um, No release dates, unfortunately. All tease. But basically, Descent is going to get a a big, big, big expansion. It's first with more 3D terrain, more original story, um, and it does clip in together with the first act to form basically the second act of the trilogy, which will all come together as one huge epic campaign. Um, so yeah, it seems as if they're taking the time to, to kind of tease it this way. I suspect we'll probably see it this year. Uh, it's also early enough in the year. So, uh, yeah, I'll let you know if we hear more, but, uh, just a little bit more, uh, information. It's it's, it's February. Yeah. 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 You know what this has the, the bouquet of, Gen Con. Uh, Gen Con, yeah, yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. Over to me, yeah. Can you say, can you, can you do like a news anchor? You go, Robert, <laughs> and back to you, Robert, in oh, the studio. Yeah, nice. Uh, okay, so Renegade Games had its uh, convention. It was a virtual convention, so good for them. But they announced a ton of role playing stuff. Uh, they're going to make the oddly enough, they have taken over the world of darkness too. Did you know that? <laughs> no, I hadn't heard that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. 
Vampire the Masquerade uh, 5th Edition Player's Guide is coming out this year soon. Uh, the Transformers RPG The Time Is Now Adventure Book is out, also out sometime this year soon, TM. The Lines Drawn, a scenario book, and a GM screen and resource book for Hunter the Reckoning 5th Edition uh, will also be out this year. And finally, they will have a new RPG release called Gods of Metal Ragnarok, an original RPG title by Ivan Van Norman. Players take on the roles of heavy metal heroes living their lives between the world of Mundania and the realm of Ragnarok. They will form a band and go out on quests for glory in the names of the six gods of metal. This epic heavy metal RPG will hit stores in May 2023 and retail for $49.99, which, uh, yeah, that just sounded fun. I mean, I'm down. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That definitely sounds fun. That definitely sounds fun. I, I enjoyed the the uh, Hunter the Reckoning games that came out for a while. You remember on the, this, this is like original Xbox, the top down ones? Yeah, yeah, I had I had the first one. Uh, oh, these man, are so good. Hunter the Reckoning 5th Edition, I think for for the best, honestly, has very little to do with those games, which is funny. But because in those games, they later kind of talked about it later. But in those games, you had like supernatural powers, which I always thought was weird. It's like, I hate supernatural creatures. I'm going to go hunt them with my supernatural powers. <laughs> <laughs> and they later kind of hinted at least that they were uh, an- angelic powers that they, they, you know, the angelic beings gave them to you. Anyway, uh, fifth Made edition. Sense, hundred- Cause one of the, uh, one of the characters is a priest, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Hunter the Reckoning fifth edition, it's much closer to the, uh, the Chronicles of Darkness version where it's, it's much more like supernatural where there's different groups that hunt, uh, supernatural creatures and they're, they are human. So I, I, I don't know. Personally, I think it's a better idea because, you know, hunting monsters, it, it should be people. It shouldn't be like other supernatural beings. I don't know. That's just my, that's my take on it. That's my hot take. It's my spicy take, but whatever. Anyway, back to me, back to you. A little bit of sad news. Uh, unfortunately, a uh, fun again, distribution is closing its doors. So back in 2019, uh, Fun Again Fulfillment uh, merged with both Ship Naked and Hit Point Sales, and the idea was that they, the 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 whole campaign logistics thing would be their their huge thing. They'd have you know global capacity, all this other fun stuff. Well, unfortunately, it doesn't seem like it's really kind of come together. Uh, as of April thirtieth, twenty twenty three, they will be ceasing uh, operations. They are not going to be offering anything. No storage, no distribution, no fulfillment, nothing. Um, they are citing the costs of operational um, – pardon me. They are citing the increased cost of operations as the the problem moving forward. They just couldn't find a, a price point that worked anymore, I guess. So, yeah, anything that was pending, uh, they're going to continue to process. Yeah, they will be shutting down uh, relatively soon, which is uh, – it's sad. It's sad. Yeah, it sucks. It is not affecting the other fun again divisions, things like their games business, their um, brick and mortar store, anything like that. That that all continues to function. It's strictly the distribution arm. Well, my last story, Jonathan. Uh, Renegade Games also announced during this convention some new expansions for their Hasbro licensed card games. Very specifically, they have um, announced G.I. Joe Mission Critical Chaos Break expansion features the Dreadlocks and Cobra boss Zartan and also includes two new Joe heroes, including two new lieutenants. Uh, and the two heroes are Beachhead and Ripcord. And the two lieutenants are Zar- Zarana and Road Pig. I have no idea who those characters are. But this one, this this next one, this next expansion seems like it would interest you. 
the G.I. Joe deck building game New Alliances is a Transformers crossover expansion where the Joes team up with the Autobots to take down Cobra and the Decepticons. That's a level of bananas that I can get behind. They did a comic book of it. Uh, IDW did a few years ago, and it was kind of it was kind of crazy because you know how like they sort of establish in the movies that the Transformers can like scan stuff and then become it. So imagine like that happening, but like Optimus Prime becomes like I forget which Joe vehicle he was, but it, it was a Joe vehicle, and it was awesome. <laughs> like I said, that's a banana. That, that's the kind of bananas I can get behind. Yep, yep, yep. So yeah, that'll be uh, that'll also be coming out sometime this year. So I don't know if you like that. If that if that tickles your fancy, sir, maybe you should look into the GI Joe's deck building game and get that expansion and get some chocolate with your peanut butter. On a slightly happier note than my last news story, how about we take a trip back to Scythe because we're getting a new expansion, which nobody thought that was coming. Everybody was under the uh, impression that it was over, but we are getting uh, Expeditions, a sequel to the game Scythe. You're going to be ex- um, you're going to be investigating a crashed meteor near Tunguska River in Siberia, and anybody that knows their history knows that's an actual thing that happened. And you're going to be hoping to find all kinds of things, from glory to ar- artifacts to um, you know completing expeditions. And yeah, you're um, you're going to have a map. You're going to have an action token. You're going to be trying to uh, cover one of three possible actions, which are move, play, or gather and then execute on the remaining uncovered actions. Um, or you can, of course, do refresh, which lets you regain all your cards. Um, and yeah, it uh, looks like it's just building off of Scythe's basic com- uh, concepts and uh, taking it a slightly different direction, but it is a second trip to the universe. Oh, fun. So there you go. It will uh, support one to five players, and they're estimating a 60 to 90 minute play time. And it uh, will be available for pre-order on the web store as of February 15th. So uh, right before this episode comes out. Oh, fun. They're expecting fulfillment in the You mean the right July, after August this episode frame. comes out because the 15th is in two days from recording date, but this will come out on the 20-something. Well, they're expecting a fulfillment in the July-August time frame, um, and of course they will have a retail re- release in the near future. So there you go. Scythe Expeditions. Yeah, Scythe is a good game. Oh, I love that game. Uh, all right, is that all we have? That's all we got. Okay, well, that brings us to the end of our tabletop news, which means it is time for our King in All Things segment. This is, of course, part 24 in our 44-part series, A King in All Things where we are watching all the Stephen King movies based on novels or novellas in order of their release date, along with the occasional extra. Uh, This is the 23rd film in the series, and we are now officially in 2004. We've been in 2004. Dreamcatcher was also in 2004. Oh, there you go. So we're a little bit later in 2004 with Secret Window. Robert, tell us all about it. Uh, Secret Window, directed by David Coep. K-O-E-P-P? Yeah, he's the he's a screenwriter too. He did the first Jurassic Park movie, if I remember correctly. That is correct. This was, I believe, his dictor- directorial debut. Um, I could be wrong about that. I will look at that presently. Made for a budget of forty million dollars, it made ninety two point three million dollars. So modest hit, I guess. This paid for itself, probably, probably. And oh yeah, yeah, no, it it, it made a profit. That's a profitable movie. Oh, this is take- not his direct- directorial. Wow, he's directed a few things. Oh, cool. Stir of Echoes he did. I did not know that. I didn't realize that either. 
good for him. Anyway, uh, Gina yelled at me last time because for Dreamcatcher, we didn't explain the plot of Dreamcatcher at all during it. And I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) she's so kind. (laughs) She gives me constructive criticism because I don't know. She listens to the podcast. Oh, no, I meant the fact that she she said that Dreamcatcher had a plot. Oh, oh, there's that too. Mm Mm-hmm. That's a good point. No, it has a plot. It has a plot. A space alien comes and pretends that he's a uh, he's a British guy. I mean, come on, what's wrong with that? So, I guess the plot. Should we say the plot? It's it's got a twist. Like, I, I guess it's I guess its thing has come up. I mean, I don't know, skip thir- skip thirty I, seconds. I don't ahead. think we need to cover the 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 plot. I mean, just basically, um, uh, there's a writer. Uh, he's out in the woods in a cabin, and. Um, you know, he's recently gone through a divorce and there is somebody coming up and accusing him of plagiarism. And it is heavily hinted that this has happened before, but that this is not the case with this one. And uh, I think we can leave it at that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, we may talk about it. So be warned if you don't want to get the twist spoiled, it, it may come up uh, during my, cause I got, I got opinions on it, but whatever. <clears throat> anyway. Yeah. Um, and, and the guy, the guy who comes out, Mort is the author, and Jim Shooter is the guy who comes out. And Jim Shooter is not a good person. He's uh, he's he's a bad, no, bad no, man. Not pleasant at all. No, kills his dog. <laughs> bad guy. No good. That's that's not that that's a party foul. I think. Right. Yeah. No serious party foul. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, I don't know, Jonathan. So, what'd you think? Um. If ever there were a middle of the road, this is it. That's funny. That's funny. So, so my I response mean, to all that, this would be, and oddly enough, it's it's uh, this movie also has another connection to this. But oddly enough, my thought of this movie is, I liked it the first time I saw it when it was called the Dark Half, but I didn't really like the Dark Half all that much either. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's really funny that you say that because I was taking a peek at the list and. Uh, I was thinking the exact same thing about the dark half that it's, it's there, there's a lot of reminiscence there. Uh, yeah. and also from a quality level, it's, it's about the same spot <laughs> and they both have, uh, uh, Timothy Hutton in them too. <laughs> yeah. Oddly enough, you're absolutely right. <laughs> Timothy Hutton, a guarantee for a competent, but not particularly, uh, engaging, uh, film. Yeah. Yeah. I, okay. So, so problems with it, uh, David, he, he, it's a semi-faithful adaptation, I guess, up until the end. I, the ending is very different from what I was reading of the uh, original novella. But he is, again, we have another script where it's not as smart as it thinks it is because it tries to mess with your expectations a little bit. But, like, like how about this? Uh, the way I described it to Gina was it desperately, desperately, desperately wanted to be a Rain Johnson film, you know? Like yeah. it, re- it wanted to toy with our expectations and make us think things and then fake us out, but it was not up to that task at all. Um, no, and but I, the last act kind of trips and falls. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I saw the twist coming like twenty minutes into it. Like you know. Oh yeah, it's 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 poorly telegraphed. Yeah, yeah, and so and and there's these moments where because um, basically Mort starts getting framed, air quotes for murder. And, uh, yeah, they do things where like he leaves, they, they, they point out that he leaves evidence at the scene. Like there's this part where he's trying to get rid of two bodies in a car by driving it to, I think it's the actual factual quarry from uh, stranger things. It might be the same filming location. Uh, I'm very pretty filming. sure. I'm pretty yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, but he, he ends up losing his watch in, in the car when it sinks. That goes and, nowhere. 
and that goes nowhere. And there's a few things like that where they kind of point out that he left evidence and then nothing happens. <laughs> and it was like, if you're trying to like fake me out, because I mean, this is 2004. I think this was the, the rise of CSI at the very least at, at that point. You know, people had procedurals on the mind at the, during the, the heyday of CSI. So like messing with your expectations of the film by like making you think this is a procedural crime drama could have been interesting, but they dropped it or David dropped it. Yeah, there's just a lot of things like that where it was it seemed like it was toying with with trying to mess with our expectations and then not mess with them at all. And the very last scene of the film completely threw me off the rails. I laughed out loud during it, like just just a hearty, hearty, like, oh, my God, what did I just watch? Laugh. Yeah, it's do you remember the very last shot of the movie? Yes. Like when he's wearing the braces and everything. Yeah. Yeah. So Johnny Depp's character uh, is wearing braces by the end. And, uh, and it's, he's the trying last... to straighten some things out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, the last shot is him just taking this like, like predatory, like slightly sped up bite out of a corn cob. Like that's the last shot of the movie. Like, and, and he bites it really. It's <laughs> and I'm like, what is that? <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, like there's, there's nothing inherently wrong with the film. Okay. It's, no, it's, reasonably engaging there's decent performances throughout it um Mm -hmm. there's actually quite a bit of decently snippy dialogue you know like there's a couple of really zinger one-liners in there that actually work really really well in the context of the film depp gives a good performance he's he's kind of a little bit off kilter and kooky but it really works for the character um and he's got some great sarcastic lines like when he's talking to his ex-wife and his ex-wife's talking about the uh the person she's with now. And he says something like, Oh, I really wish you wouldn't talk. <laughs> something like that. It was really funny. Um, but like everything about it from, from the script to the direction, everything, it, it it's all competent, but it's not, it doesn't excel in any way, shape or form. And it leaves a lot of ideas on the table unfinished. And there's moments where it really could have been rather brilliant, but it just decided to play it safe instead. And there, it, it just, it needed to take a risk and it never did. It never did. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of a shame too. Cause I was, uh, I was thinking about it like fight club. Cause it, so the novella was written before fight club was written, but then the movie came out after fight club. And for a movie that messed with your expectations of what was really going on, fight club did it obviously superbly. And this movie was trying to do that too, but it just never, it never got close. It never no, got close. Not even close. Not even yeah. close. Like I said, it just it never it never takes the jump. It never takes the the risk, and it ends up being very tame by comparison. I, but yeah. it's not a bad film. No, it's not a good film either. <laughs> no, it, like I said, it's it's the definition of middle of the road. So looking at the the list here, I do think that it is the perfect pair with Dark Half. I do think that it's the perfect pair with Dark Half, but. I think that Dark Half had a little bit more mood, which was what this was missing. And, and I definitely think it's a better film than Christine because there's actually writing that works. May, may I interject? Yes. I have a slightly different opinion just uh, because uh, it had something in common with that pupil where the characters were inherently unlikable. And I, I, I've almost called it a baby. I Actually, I did say it seemed like it was a baby of Apt Pupil and The Dark Half, uh, slipping it between those two films because I think it was better. Than, I personally think it was better than The Dark Half because the performances were good, which The Dark I'll Half give you did that. not have. I'll, so, I'll give you that. I mean, you're, you're, you and I are, are, are settled within one position of each other, and I, I think that the points you make work. Yeah. I, I If like if someone's like, I want to watch Secret Window or Dark Half, I'd be like, well, why don't you want to watch Misery? But – 
Yeah. Um, but barring that, I think I would say I, w- I think I would say this one, Secret Window, is a little little bit better. So there you go on the the list of now 24, uh, 24 projects. Secret Window is almost smack dab in the middle at number fifteen. Uh, it is right between Apt Pupil and Dark Half, meaning that it's not as engaging or interesting as Silver Bullet, but it definitely is competent and therefore better than Christine. <laughs> And the dark half. The dark half was like, like seriously, like the middle of the road. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like this is right there with it. You're, you're right in that the performance is kind of elevated just a little bit. I mean, Charles S. Dutton is completely wasted. I might add. Like that guy's a monster of an actor. Yeah, just completely yeah. wasted. Uh, a lot of things were wasted in this film. But yeah, yeah. That's the thing. I, I, I have a feeling a lot of our things going forward are probably going to be slotted in here because, like, a lot of the early movies were really strong. You know, yeah. the The funny thing is, the gulf between the dark half and Christine is still gigantic. Like, mm-hmm. there's there's room for things to fill that up. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Just like the gulf between, like, I'd say Pet Cemetery and Hearts of Atlantis is gigantic. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. There, there yeah. are definitely three distinct states that these films fall into. It's it's amazing mediocre or distinctly terrible. Like there's, there's nothing in between those, those three categories. And let's be fair. Distinctly terrible is the bottom three, bottom four. <laughs> oh, well, that's every barrel has its bottom. My friend, you know what I mean? <laughs> true, 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 true. And I think, I think, I think with thinner and carry, we really legitimately have found the bottom. I don't know that we're ever going to be able to beat that. Uh, yeah, seriously. Like, yeah. I don't say that with, with a lot of jest. I legitimately mean that. I do not think we can get any deeper and dumber than those two films. I, I'll, I'll throw the lawnmower, man. That's like the trifecta of evil right there. Oh, God. Yeah, that is the, uh, that is the, the, the triad of terror there. Not in a good way. No, not good God, way. not even close. All right. Well, what's next on the list? Salem's Lot again, I think you said, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, the Rob Lowe 2004 version of Salem's Lot, which is not streaming anywhere, mind you. Well, we'll have to rent it, unfortunately. It's, it's interesting. I, I, will, I will enjoy seeing this version versus the original TV version. Well, that's why we, we added it in, because it originally wasn't on the list. But after the, the first miniseries was so unexpectedly good. <laughs> we're like, I wonder, I wonder how them tackling it again was. And so we decided we had to find out. I, I still stand by, uh, that being the treat of this experiment so far. I agree. Yeah. Because it been- was out of nowhere. It was so much better than it had any business being. Um, and it's, I mean, for crying out loud, it's still in the top 10 after 24 films. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, the, the top films are, yeah, like no, like like it's getting buried under a lot of really good films, but it's like oh yeah, are- don't do you? You should never be sad that that you're behind Misery, Dolores Claiborne, The Shining, Shawshank Redemption, Green Mile, and Stand by Me. Like yeah. to come up just shy of those films when you were a 1977 made-for-TV miniseries, mm-hmm. you're bat, you're you're punching above your weight class there. Yeah, uh, yeah, totally, totally, totally. See, so, yeah, I'm re- I'm I'm really curious about it. I you know. I'll bet you money it's going to end up somewhere in the middle because it it came out and I heard people say I, I didn't hear anybody complain about it but I didn't hear people saying it was particularly good either so but we'll see it'll be interesting 
We will see. We, we, we'll, we'll be with that in two weeks, which means that is the end of our King and All Things segments, which means it's break time. And when we return, it'll be time for our deep dive, and we will be deep diving habitats. We'll see you in just a moment. We love getting feedback, so please let us know how we're doing by one of the following. You can become our patron over at Patreon. Search for Forgot My Dice. We also have a Discord page where we organize games and chat about all sorts of stuff. Find the link on our website, ForgotMyDice.com. You can also message us or tweet at us on the Twitters. Find us at Forgot My Dice. And, of course, you can email us at fmdpodcast2016 at gmail.com. Or you can head on over to our website, ForgotMyDice.com, where all of our episodes are available, plus game reviews and other content. If you like the show, the best way for more people to find out about us is to give us a review on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or Stitcher. Last of you, for those of you listening in the village, call the operator, give your number, and ask for us to be put on the rotation. Robert, this, this needs to stop. Listen, I'll, I'll make you a deal. I will not make any deals with you. I will not be pushed, filed, stamped, indexed, briefed, debriefed, or numbered. My life is my own. Oh, God, I'm going to cut his cord. And welcome back from the break. It is now time for our deep dive. And in this episode, we are deep diving habitats. In Habitats, each player builds a big wildlife park without cages or fences. The animals in your park need their natural habitats, grassland, bush, rocks, or lakes. The zebra needs a big area of grass and some water adjacent, for example, while the bat needs rocks and bush and water. And the heart needs bush and grass, and the crocodile mainly needs water. Aside from expanding your park with different landscape types, flora, and animals, you can improve its profitability by building extra entrance roads, trek spots, and watchtowers. At the end of the game, each player scores for each tile in their park based off of whether the tile's requirements are satisfied. Whoever scores the most points wins. Jonathan, how does it play? All right, so the the game at its core is relatively simple. There's not a whole lot going on. Setup consists of uh, choosing the proper year tracker based on the number of players that you have. And the reason that that's important is because that's essentially how it scales. It's a really, in terms of balance, it's a good way to scale this game. You place goals around the year tracker. Those goals are basically um, kind of similar to Welcome To, where you're, you've you've got some shapes or or different uh, layouts or different types of things that you're trying to construct to meet those uh, and get basically extra points, plus the, the points on your, your personal tableau that you're building. You get the, the, the preserve tiles into the bag. These are tiles that will form your wildlife preserve. They come in a, a couple different colors. There's a reddish-orange earthen tone one. Uh, there's a yellow one, a green one, and a blue one. And those will become important as we start to talk about how you score in the game. Um, and all those get tossed into this lovely little grab bag so that you can pull stuff out. Uh, and then you basically set up the playing field based on the number of players that you have, uh, for a two player game, for instance, it will be a four by four grid for a five player game. It'll be a four by seven grid. Again, there's that, that scaling that we talk about. And then you put Jeeps down, uh, into the playing area in place of some of those tiles. And each of the Jeeps is going to start at one of the, um, basically the edges of the board. And then you are ready to rock and roll. Uh, one of the, my favorite rules in this game is the way that you handle who's the first player. It's the person who most recently fed an animal. Feed those cats every day. It's going to pay off. 
Absolutely. So gameplay is very, very fast. There's only essentially four things that you do. You take a tile, you drive your Jeep, you draw a tile, and then you place the tile. So let's talk about each one of those steps. Taking a preserved tile. So your Jeep is going to be oriented and facing a specific direction. And when you first start the game, it's going to be facing towards the center of the playing area. You have the choice of driving to the left, driving to the right, or driving forward. You cannot drive back. You cannot drive diagonally. You drive onto the tile that you, or pardon me, you take the tile that you want to drive your Jeep onto. So this is kind of the first point where you're making an interesting decision in the game, because not only are you trying to grab tiles that will help you build up your score and help you satisfy the the different bonus elements of the game, which we'll discuss in a little more detail soon, uh, but you also are needing to think ahead a couple of moves and then move your Jeep in the proper direction, um, which is really neat because as the game progresses onward, you get into these situations where you're like, well, I can satisfy this element by grabbing this thing right now, or I can go for the bigger point total over here, uh, which means that I'll need to get these other tiles that I don't necessarily need right now, but maybe they'll come in handy later. That all makes sense? That all makes sense. Once you have taken your preserved tile, you drive your Jeep. Your Jeep just goes putt-putting forward into the space that was previously occupied by that preserved tile that you just grabbed. Then you're going to draw a new tile from the bag, and that tile is going to be put down uh, right where your Jeep just left. Then you're going to take the tile that you picked up off of the game area, and you're going to put that into your personal tableau. Your tableau is going to start off with just a single tile that has a, a picture of your Jeep on it, and those tiles are all going to come in different colors. Uh, again, this, this is uh, oops. Uh, this is part of the way that the game um, satisfies uh, uh, bonus points and whatnot. Uh, everybody's Jeep tile is going to have a different color background, um, and you know that could influence the type of game that you're trying to play. And you can place that tile all around your Jeep in any direction, so to speak, uh, as you build out your, your tableau. Now, tile placement becomes more and more important as the game wears on. Um, it's now time that we're going to start talking about how the game scores, because that's going to tell you how you build out your tiles as well. There's a lot of different ways to score points in this game. That's one of the things that I love the most about it. First of all, we already talked about the, the large point bonus challenges that are placed around the years, right? That's one way to get bonus points. Then each tile will have a way to score points on it as well. And there's different types of tiles too. All of the tiles will have a, coloring, uh, a colored background based on the type of terrain they are, which comes into play for bonus calculation and whatnot. Uh, but there's also a couple of different types of special tiles. Um, there's both animal and flower tiles. That's kind of the standard thing. There are camera tiles, and the camera tiles are have a point value on them and will generally have some form of um, scoring on it. So let me give you an example from the rule book here. Bear with me. The camera tile basically represents a tourist, and a, a tourist might have a point value that it can score, and that point value will be perhaps like the, the one that I'm looking at here, one point value for each forest habitat, those are the green tiles, in your preserve. Now, those don't not have to, do not have to be necessarily in any given way, shape, or form in this particular tile, but you can see it's dictating a rule, it's dictating a tile type, and it's giving you points that you can score uh, from having those tiles in your preserve. That makes sense so far? Yeah. Okay. There's also watchtower tiles, and these watchtower tiles come out, they have a gray background, 
they're one of two types of tiles with a gray background. And those watchtowers will generally have a specific orientation of tiles that if you build your preserve around that watchtower in the orientation that they have been, um, that they dictate, then you get those bonus points. There's also a type of tile that has a little tent on it. It's called a camp. And a camp's requirement is met when you build your preserve around it based on how it is um, oriented. So not all camps will have the same uh, orientation. For instance, the one I'm looking at right here has three dots, one uh, one to the top, one to the left, and one to the right, nothing on the bottom. And as long as you place tiles on each of those areas, you're going to get the point bonus listed on that camp. Then there's a tricky, tricky type of tile called a gate. And the gates are tricky because just like the camps, there's only certain places that you're going to be able to attach tiles to the outside based on, um, you know, based on where the squares are on the tile. But also, they can have solid corners, which mean that you can no longer build in those directions. You're sacrificing flexibility for the sake of points. That all makes sense? Yeah, yeah. As you take the tiles, you're going to be laying them down and you cannot rearrange them, which means you have to start doing some planning ahead. The animal tiles will generally have a series of colors along the bottom, uh, colors and shapes, telling you what you need to do to get the points for that particular tile. So I'm looking at a rhinoceros tile right now. Its background is yellow, and it has two yellow dots, two blue dots, and a four-point value uh, assigned to it. And basically what that's telling you is the animal's habitat requirement is two grassland terrain, which are the, uh, which are the, the yellow dots, two water terrain, which are the blue dots, and they have to be met adjacent to this particular tile to score. And once you score any of the tiles, you get a little marker, you put it on top, and that, that's an easy way to, to remind you of which tiles that you have fulfilled and which are point scorers for you, so that when you get to the end of the round, you have the opportunity to um, count up all your points and see where your score is. And that, pretty much, is the game in a nutshell. There's four actions, and really the, the, the puzzle comes down to what have you decided to grab and are you orienting all of your tiles properly to maximize your score at any given time? So it's like, it's a little bit welcome to and a little bit uh, almost like a splendor. And eat fish tiles out of a bag, so you got a little carcassonne in there regardless. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that, that is essentially the game. There's, it's one of these, these deceptive games, actually like Splendor, where the rules aren't tough to grasp, but the gameplay gets real deep real fast. And there are some tough, tough decisions to be made in that game. Well, speaking of all that gameplay and whatnot, how does the rulebook do explaining it all? The rulebook does a pretty good job, um, and it's quite lovely and short. Uh, there are photograph examples for each of the different steps that you take. There are photograph examples of the different habitats and how they interact and how to score them. Um, there's great explanations of the different um, flower types, or pardon me, flower types, tile types, and the year-end uh, specifications. Uh, a year is essentially a round, and the number of rounds you play is going to be based on your, the number of players. And then on the back page, because it's only a, a basically a four-page rulebook, it's one sheet of paper folded in half. The back page is pretty much every tile type in the game laid out in a tableau with an explanation of how and why it would score and if it has scored in this, uh, in this particular tableau. 
And that's it. That That is the rule book in a nutshell. I'm looking at the game right now on the Board Game Geeks, and uh, do the little animals come with the base edition, or is that some sort of extra thing? That oh, that's a really good question. Okay, so let's talk about this game. This game actually came out a few years ago. This is not the first time this game has been released. This is a re-release of the game, but this version of the game is new and features all new art, all new design, and a lot of changes to really kind of make it easier to play and really make it stand out. Um, For instance, one of the changes is that this version of the game, the score sheets are all pre-laminated and it gives you a uh, whiteboard marker so that you can easily keep track of the points without having to have these huge score pads in the game. In terms of the animal markers, those are a deluxe upgrade. They are not in the standard box. The standard box, you get wooden Jeep icons you get a lovely cloth bag for holding all of the, um, the, the tiles, and everything else is cardboard. Cardboard tiles with the exception of the cardboard score sheets, which are, the, uh, pardon me, the cardboard score sheet, which is pre-laminated, and of course, your whiteboard marker for keeping track of the score. Everything else is the scoring tokens we talked about, the uh, year marker, te- uh, the, the year challenges, which you get to put next to the, um, next to the, the round markers. And then, of course, all the tiles that formulate your habitat. I do happen to have the deluxe edition. I did not play with the with the wooden animal tiles specifically because I did not. I, I wanted to review the game as anybody else would be able to get it. So I'm looking at the the, the tiles and all that. Like it, it seems pretty standard. Like the the components are good, good quality. Mm. Yeah, let me let me let me jump into quality here for a moment. For a game that's come out previously, all the changes that they made are awesome. And the new graphic design is stunningly beautiful. Like, this is a really, really pretty game. Uh, the bag, for instance, for the tiles is is gorgeous, and it has uh, a distinctly African theme to it with um, just some beautiful art on it. It really just pops. Uh, the Jeep icons are nice and thick and chunky. They're really, really fun um, to and easy to grab. And they all use a distinct color, making it super easy. And each of them has a symbol on it, so that for people that uh, might be suffering from colorblindness, they can easily distinguish between the different Jeeps. And that should be also extended to the choices made in the, uh, in the game itself. Everything has a distinct look as well as the color, making it very easy to determine what is what, even if you have uh, a colorblind situation. The addition of the whiteboard for scoring is brilliant. Like, it... This would need to be a much larger game if you had that big old thick score pad in there. This is a much better way of doing it. Um, I upgraded my welcome to to have the whiteboard sheets. And I, I love the fact that people are now starting to use that as the base because it makes a lot more sense and it's a lot more eco-friendly in the long run. All right. So is there anything off in the uh, execution of the game? Not a thing. The, the the colors are big and bright and bold and gorgeous. The graphic design is is lovely and perfect for the for the theme. I mean, it's just it's such a pretty package to look at, and it's lovely on the table as well. What's the ideal player count? Is this also like a Carcassonne where you can play it with two players and it actually works? Yes, absolutely. And that's kind of one of the nice things about how it's very clear that they they did their testing for each level of the scale. And that there's a, a distinct reason why things scale the way they do. It, it's it's a very well balanced game, regardless of player count, and it it's uh, it's fun to play with two, and it's fun to play with five. And there is even uh, a one player version where you can just go for straight score. Nice. All right, Jonathan, 
This is your shot. This is your last chance. If you want to tell our listeners one last thing about the game, what is it going to be? Buy it. Just flat out buy it. It is easy to learn. It's a game that you can play with kids. I would say probably 9, 10 and older uh, is is where I would draw the line in terms of uh, difficulty. It's it's a great game for families because it is simple to learn but deep in choice, and choices matter. Um, it, it's you, you can't react. You have to think ahead. It's, it's kind of like a chess match in that res, uh, respect. And most importantly, it's just... It's gorgeous to look at. The the new art by Dominique Ramsey and uh, Daniel Profiri uh, is stunning and beautiful and really just evokes a wonderful feeling around the theme. It, it's everything a reprint should be. It gets rid of all the rough edges from the original one and makes it into a modern package without manipulating or changing what made the original game so damn great. And if you can get a hand, uh, your hands on those deluxe tokens, by the way, they are just lovely. I'm, I'm playing with mine right now. I've got uh, they're big, thick, chunky wooden uh, animal pieces. They're beautifully silkscreened. And the whole thing is just, it, it's a gorgeous production. All right. So that is Habitats by Board Game Tables and a couple other publishers, actually, from what I'm seeing on this Board Game Geek page. But the main one. That's probably the original, the original version. Because mm. the, the current version is just labeled with board game tables. That would make a certain amount of sense. All right. There you go. Uh, it says it was out in 2016, so it's probably at your local game store. And considering, like, nothing's come out that's new. Well, because, the, the, the original was out in 2016. This, uh, the, the reprint is this year. Okay. Well, regardless. Well, I should say t- um, late 2022. Well, regardless, there's still not a lot out yet because of the post-COVID, post-air quotes COVID, you know, lull in everything. No, and, 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 and I can't, this is like, this is like a splendor or a pandemic. It's just, it's a good one to have on the shelf. It, it really, it's a perfect family game. It's a perfect, uh, it's a perfect game for, for people that, if, you know, you're, you're having over and you're like, Hey, let's play a board game. That's a little bit out of your comfort zone, but it's really easy to learn, but you're going to have a great time. And there's really good choices. That's, that's how I'd sum it up. Nice. Play that, Jonathan. All right, well, that brings us to the end of our deep dive, uh, which means it's time for closing thoughts, Robert. I cannot believe we are at the end of episode 139 of our podcast. Once again, join us on all of our digital domains. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, Robert, that brings us to you, my friend. Any final thoughts? Play Destiny with me. Get what? All, play Destiny with me. Get all your, uh, your online I friends. I it's got crossplay now. We could play together with your online friends. Here's the thing, friends. though. Here's oh, it does have crossplay. I was just gonna say that's the thing. Like my, it used to be that all my my multiplayer friends were all in one system, and now we're all fractured. But now with the the rise of crossplay, things are getting better and things are getting easier. So let's see. Okay, okay. So according to this, like I I, I may not run into Xbox players in the wild and PC players in the wild, but we should be able to play together. Because uh, they they went well, to it. It doesn't matter for me. I can download it on any system. It's not a not a big deal. I just and, and also uh, according to this, all your progression should be spread across systems now too. Because you log into a Destiny account when you log oh, in. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll, look, I'm not saying that I'm not willing to give it a try, but I'm gonna need a little bit more time to to well, t- we'll tell you what, myself to that. Get 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 it on the PlayStation because at the very least you can get one of the expansions for free right now, and then you know that's fair. That's not a bad expansion. You you run around Europa. 
And and the best part is uh, 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 an exotic rifle came back from the original Destiny with uh, one of the most infamous lines of uh, Destiny dialogue being the name of the weapon, which is no time to explain. Oh, God. From, oh, that, my, it's from just... that infamous line, I don't have time to explain why I don't have time to explain. <laughs> oh, God, that first game. That first game. Dude, it really the... does break my heart because it's, it's very obvious that they put a lot of thought and effort into this world and then they just forgot to tell us all about it. That, that makes me sad. Yeah, well, they apparently cut about an hour out of, of cutscenes out of the game because they changed everything around. <laughs> uh, well, can't win them all, I guess. Yeah, yeah, no. Like I said, I, th- I think I could piece together what the original story was going to be. Like, it's like based off of what people have said, like it's pretty clear what the end was supposed to be and it's pretty clear what like the the first like act I guess was supposed to be. It's that middle act that kind of bridges them. It's a, it's a little fuzzy, <laughs> but like, yeah, we've got a like, little. well, well, no, of, of the, what the story was before they changed it at the last minute, like the first act people have reported on. And then like the finale where it all ends up, but it's just that, that stretch in between. But yeah, you know, if we ever play a, uh, a, our play, a role-playing variant of it, man, I could run that. I could, and, and we could play weird destiny lore, alternate destiny lore be sweet i'm not signing up for that i want to do cyberpunk next assuming everybody cyberpunk assuming everybody's with me the non-traditional cyberpunk the more modern cyberpunk because i'll you know, be there because they have wi-fi <laughs> that's the weirdest thing about cyberpunk 2020 it's just like they have no conception of you know wi-fi and it's like really <laughs> oh yeah it's a it's a function of, I think, the time. Like, yeah, there's yeah. just nothing you can do. Yeah, no, I remember my dad was really into technology, and he was all like, he was trying to figure out a way he could network all the computers in his office together so they could pull off of a central server he was trying to make. And he was looking into this thing where um, there, there was like this laser that you could like fire it across your office and do like a, a receptor <laughs> on the, the other line side. Line of sight optical transfer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow, that's rough. I know, I know. But I remember him looking into that and, and I'm like, that's stupid. <laughs> but the man, that's what that's like the closest thing we had to Wi-Fi back in the day, I guess. So I don't know. <laughs> oh well, I just I'll never forget in the early two thousands doing LAN parties with Xboxes tw- and dragging your, your three hundred pound twenty seven inch TV miles across town to your friend's apartment and then lugging it up the stairs with with your buddy and then networking the whole thing with a hub and like 16 miles of ethernet cable oh good times man good times i will say this the internet has made a lot of things a lot easier i'd always get my own tv because i was a screen peeker (laughs) oh did you get in trouble you know man it's part of the game it's right there tell me i can't look it's right there (laughs) dirty screen peeker well that's why i got my own screen (laughs) (laughs) well on that note robert there's only one last thing to say and that is be excellent to one another and party on party on jonathan dirty screen peeker yeah dirty screen peeker dirty screen peeker not gonna be the episode title dirty screen i think you probably (laughs) 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 and cut Music you heard in this podcast was intro by Elifiel. Additional music was provided by Brian Winkleman. Funding for the Forgot My Dice podcast was provided by our supporters on Patreon. Thank you 